We're going to continue on the wineskin message. It's probably the last one that we'll do unless the Lord gives me something else uh, next week. But I've been very excited about these wineskin messages. Uh, the, the subtitle of this is to streamline your 2019. And, the, and Pam even mentioned it when she was praying a while ago. Or, yeah, when she was praying or either talking, I forget which one it was. But she used the word streamline. And it's a word that the Lord gave me last week for 2019, that God is wanting us to streamline our lives and streamline our ministries so that we can accommodate the new wineskin that he's moving us into. So pray with me. Father, I just thank you, God, for the opportunity to be here, Lord, and to unlock new wineskins, to unlock the favor of the Lord over our land and region. I thank you, God, that we are called to streamline ourselves in 2019. And Lord, we will do that, Father, in Jesus' name. We decree it so. Amen. Now, one of the things, you know, when we do the three days of consecration, and I do hope that you come, even if you're working, uh, you can come and spend an hour here. Uh, we're going to open at 9 in the morning, close at 9 at night, and uh, so we'll be here for 12 hours. But you need to be here, even if you do work, you need to come and spend at least an hour here. Uh, consecrating yourself to the Lord. We're asking everybody to fast. Now, what I am fasting, probably, I'm going to fast two things, actually. You when you fast something, you have to give up something that means something to you. You can't just fast something you don't care about. You can fast healthy food. <laughs> if you care about healthy food, you should fast healthy food and eat some grease, huh? <laughs> But one of the things I'm doing, I'm fasting my morning breakfast because that's my favorite meal of the entire day. So I'm fasting. I'd rather have breakfast than I had dinner any time of the night. Sometimes for dinner, I just eat cheese and crackers because I don't care that much about dinner. My best meal is breakfast. I'm also fasting. This is, Cheryl says I can't do it. But I will. I'm fasting all electronics, computer, iPad, phone and everything for those three days I can do it because we used to do it we used to not have phones and we used to not have pagers and stuff like this and iPads and and that sort of thing so I know I can do it I'm just going to give this to Cheryl and at the end of the day she'll say you know this is who called and this is what they said and this is text and and this is what they said and so uh, those are some of the things that I'm going to fast and just be sure and, and get in on this. We have people coming from across Florida. They're coming from the Panhandle. They're coming from South Florida. We have worship teams coming from all different locations in Florida. Alicia's been real good to uh, help round that up. And when I, when I would make the first contact, she would then take it and run with it. And uh, so we, we need you here. So be very important. Okay, if you're watching, we still need more worship teams. And uh, so hopefully you can come. You know, moving into a new wineskin many times can be a challenge because it's usually something that you don't know. Or God is moving to you to a place that you've never been before. I remember when the Lord called me to sh and shifted me into a mantle of an apostle. I did not know what that meant. As a matter of fact, for one year, I rejected that. He told me in 1999 he was shifting me, and because I did not understand, I rejected that mantle. Not, not openly rejected, and I just didn't do anything with the word. And it wasn't until Cindy Jacobs called me out, and Cheryl out, in 2000, she brought us out of 1,000 people, and said, the Lord has placed upon you the mantle of an apostle, but you have resisted this. Now resist no more. And I say unto the Lord, I did not resist. When she was prophesying, I said, no, I didn't. I didn't resist this. He said, yes, you did. <laughs> and I said to him, how? He said, you didn't do anything with what I told you. So then what I did was I went and bought every book I could find on the apostle. If it had apostle in the title, I bought it. Now, I'm not big on titles. You can call me Ken and I don't care. Because it's the gift that 
you walk in, that's what's the most important thing. And so I went and bought every book I could find on Apostle, and I threw, I bought 100 books, I think, somewhere along there. I threw 75 of them away. They were worthless. Because a lot of it was, it just wasn't any good. But there was about 25 books that I kept and I read. I began devouring these things. I remember one of them called Apostolic Strategies Affecting Nations by a guy by the name of Jonathan David that really impacted my life because I knew that in this mantle that God was calling me to, that he was calling me to impact and affect a state, not just a local church. And this is the thing about an apostolic ministry. Apostolic ministry is usually not called just to a local church. And so my mindset had to shift because God was shifting me into a new wineskin. My wineskin had to shift. The way that I thought had to shift. The, my processes had to shift. Everything about me had to shift. And so I submitted myself rather than resisting that. I submitted myself to the process and the After studying it, the second thing I did was I began hanging around people who were apostles because I knew that pastors could not get me, nothing wrong with a pastoral gift, but I knew they could not get me where I was going because they did not know I have a clue about that gift either. I had heard that apostles were missionaries overseas, and so I did not want to go overseas except on a Mediterranean cruise. And so I just said, no, I'm not doing that because I have no desire. I still don't have no desire to go overseas. And I have people prophesy to me all the time, the Lord's going to send you this country, going to send you that country. And I say, okay, well, he will will have to send me because I'm not just going to go because you said I was going to go. He will have to send me. But in Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to talk more about this process in a moment. It says, but no one puts a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch pulls away from the garment and, the, and a worse tear results. Nor do people put new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wineskins burst and the wine pours out and the wineskins are ruined. But they put new wine into fresh wineskins. Say fresh wineskins. See, fresh wine skins can receive the fresh wine, such as when God was shifting me into the apostolic, the fresh wine was the apostolic, but my wine skin had to shift to match the wine. Hello. When God shifted me into a life of prayer, this was back in the 1990s, I, I had always prayed, but I began having a revelation from God about prayer and how that prayer was the very catalyst of revival. It is what launches revival into a region of territory. And so when I began moving into that wineskin, also everything about my life began changing. I began to develop then a secret place prayer life, not, not just a corporate place, there's nothing wrong with a corporate place, but you won't have authority corporately if you don't have a secret place life of prayer. It's a good word. You have to have that secret place life of prayer. Otherwise, you won't have authority in the corporate place. Now, listen to this. New wine is for new wineskins. And this is what the Lord said. It's time to streamline. 2019 will be a year to streamline our lives, our churches, our ministries, etc. When you streamline something, you get rid of everything that does not help you get to your destination. You just shake everything off that does not help you get there. And we'll talk more about that in a minute. When we do this, we'll be able to move quickly without interruption and drag. It's a good word there. See, I want to be able to move without interruption and drag. When we do this three days of consecration, you see me down worshiping, do not interrupt me. Because I'm trying to to smile too at the same time. I'm being firm. Do not interrupt me. The reason is, is because I'm consecrating myself to the Lord. At that time, I don't care about your heavy revy. 
I don't, that means your revelation. Your prophetic word or your dream. As if there will be a time for that. But when I'm in worship, I'm consecrating myself to him and I just want to worship. Amen. <clears throat> so momentum into a new wineskin is a must for 2019. And we need to understand that the wineskin here in Florida, in the nation, uh, in this house has shifted. January 7th and 8th, we'll see a new wineskin installed up in our capital. Ron DeSantis and his lieutenant governor have an invitation right there on my chair there that I showed to Cheryl a while ago. And I said, I, said, I really don't want to go to this. And, and uh, she says, I think you should go. And you've been to one inauguration. They're all the same. To me, <clears throat> to me, it's just a waste of time. And I've been asking the Lord to tell me whether or not I should go. And he hasn't told me. So I guess I'm sure I may be speaking for the Lord to me. I don't know. <laughs> when the Holy Ghost doesn't talk to you, just talk to Cheryl. He'll tell you through her. <clears throat> Streamline number one. Now, let me back up just for a moment. When the Lord sent Cindy Jacobs here, and he sent Jane Hammond here, he sent Robert Henderson here, who will be back in February, he sent Jane Hammond, and he sent Chuck Pierce. When they came, they unrolled the scrolls of heaven and began reading from those scrolls prophesying to us what Florida is to be like, what you're to be like, and what this house is to be like. Just because those scrolls were unrolled and shown to us does not mean that we'll go there. The children of Israel were shown to go to Canaan land, but the first group didn't make it. Because of their unbelief, the Bible says. So the scrolls have been unrolled to us, and so now my wineskin has to shift to match what the scrolls of heaven have released and have said. This is important. If my wineskin doesn't shift, then I become a resistant to the new wineskin and the new wine that's being poured out. Let me say that again. If the wineskin doesn't shift, then I become a resistant to the new wineskin and the new wine that's being poured out. Streamline number one, time fulfilled, repent. In Mark chapter 1, verse 15, Jesus said there, he said, and this is Jesus speaking, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now, I love this here because here Jesus was unrolling the scrolls. John the Baptist had been there before and he was unrolling the scrolls. He was telling them to repent. The kingdom of heaven is here. And he said, Prepare the way of the Lord. That's what John the Baptist said. And so Jesus comes along and he starts saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He starts unrolling the scrolls and he started saying a new wineskin is here. John the Baptist, there, there was a wineskin of the law. John the Baptist comes along the scene. There's a, there's a wineskin that John the Baptist releases when he reads the scrolls of heaven telling them to prepare the way. He said, you're not looking to me, but there's one coming after me that's mightier than I who will baptize you with Holy Ghost and fire. Jesus comes along, he unrolls the scrolls of heaven, and he says, this is what I'm about. I'm not about you keeping legalistic commandments. I'm about you moving into grace and faith, and you becoming who I've called you to be through that grace and faith. So when he said that, he says, time is fulfilled. That word time there is kairos, which means opportune time. God has given this nation, this state, this house, and you as an individual one of the best opportune times that this county, this state has ever seen in the state of Florida. The opportune time is on us like it's never been on us before. But if we stay in an old wineskin way of thinking, we won't take opportunity to step into the new. We have the ability because of the Kairos time that we're in right now to step into a new wineskin and begin receiving that new wine like we never have done before. Time, Kairos time. 
Now, Luke 19, verse 44, you don't have to turn there. Jesus rebuked the people of Jerusalem because they did not recognize the time of their visitation. The kairos, that word there is kairos. You did not recognize the kairos, your opportune time as I was visiting you. Now, that's very important. What he, was, he was actually pronouncing judgment upon them. And he says, listen, there's not going to be one stone left upon another, this temple, because you didn't recognize the time that you were in. Had you recognized the time that you were in, Pharisees, Sadducees, witnesses, you would have changed wineskins. You would have shifted into a new wineskin if you had recognized that. He said, but because you didn't recognize it, I'm going to release judgment upon this region and territory. So another word there is the word fulfilled. It's also another word for time. It's the Greek word plerao. And it means to make replete, to replenish. It's also a word to, where they filled the nets. The nets were full. There was fullness of the nets. It also means to cram, to level up, to furnish, to satisfy, and to execute. So he's saying to Florida, he's saying to this house, he's saying to this nation, the kairos has been fulfilled. We're now stepping into a new era where we're going to see the signs and wonders and miracles of the book of Acts begin to take place. We're going to start seeing that. As you said earlier, 2019 will be a time of birthing. Fran, come up to me. She said, the Lord gave me a word that 2019 will be a time of birthing. And I believe that. The fullness of time is on us. It said in Acts, the second chapter, that when the day of Pentecost had plerao'd. Talking about a time coming into fullness. When the day of Pentecost had fully come. plerao fully. We are in right now a fullness of time, a fullness. Kairos right now is so much on us. Opportune time, time of opportunity that you step into your destiny. Then he uses the word also in this verse of scripture, the word repent, which is the Greek word metoneo, a, a form of metanaya, or metanaya, metanaya, <laughs> metaneo. And it means to think differently. So when Jesus was telling them to repent, he was saying this, I want you to shift wineskins. You've been under, John the Baptist said, shift wineskins. You've been under a legalistic wineskin. Now I want you to come into a wineskin of preparing the way. Jesus gets there and he says, that which you have waited for, that which Malachi 3 spoke about. The messenger has come to the temple, the messenger of the covenant. He says, now it is fulfilled, so now you've got to change wineskins again. The day of Pentecost comes. Same word came about repent. Meaning now the fullness of the Holy Spirit had come into their life. Now they had to begin thinking differently. The people of the region had to think differently. The disciples had to think different. And I get, grab a hold of this. Two-thirds of the disciples that heard Jesus say, Terry in the city of Jerusalem until you're in due with power from on high, rejected the new wineskin. Because he spoke it to 500, but only 120 showed up. Two-thirds went home. Why, I don't know. Some probably discouraged because the Messiah had left them. But we don't need to be discouraged because we've been through some hard times. See, hard times build your character. If you don't have hard times, you cannot exercise your faith. When you're going through a hard time, you and I, and I apply this to all of us, we need to quit whining. And see that as a time that God is developing our character. He's wanting us to, us to become more like him, to draw near and close to him. This word used here, repent, metaneo, means to, it's much more than conscious stricken or being contrite. This form of metanoia means to undergo a fundamental change of one's mind or character. You need to get this. When someone repents, there's a fundamental change in the mind and the character. This is why in the New Testament they would say, 
they would say to a sinner, sin no more. Jesus would say to the woman caught in adultery, sin no more. That's why they would say to the leaders in the New Testament, only have one wife. Because you're now developing the character of God when you're walking in the Holy Spirit. The character of God's being developed in you. Streamline number two. Remove every weight and every sin. We're going to read from Hebrews now. It says, therefore also since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I love this. These two verses of Scripture have been some of my favorite for years. Because he talks about you and I running a race, and that we've got to lay aside every weight, every fetter, every sin that keeps us from being streamlined so that we can run the race with patience. Say patience. We had a Greek lady in our church years ago over in Davenport. She'd actually lived in Kissimmee, and uh, Athena had no patience. She's gone to be with the Lord now. But she had living next door to her, the people living next door to her, their last name was Patience. And they had a big sign out in front of their house, one of those wood engraved signs saying, this is where patient lives. Patience lives. And I said, Athena, I said, look at that. God is preaching to you. Every day you walk out and you see their name, Patience, the Lord is preaching to you. Now, be careful that you pray for it because patience comes how? By tribulation. So, but it's, tribulation is going to come anyway. I mean, just decide to get patient, you know. Oh, Brother Ken, I'm in so much warfare. Be patient. I, I've lived a lifestyle of warfare, so when warfare hits and resistance hits, it doesn't bother me anymore because that has been my lifestyle. Oh, there's so much warfare, there's so much resistance going on. So, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. We just plow on through it, press on through it. But he uses the word here, weight. To lay aside every weight. I'm going to talk about the weights first. The weight being, being weighed down or being dragged down. Some of the weights that we encounter many times are destructive thoughts. Destructive thoughts can keep you from fulfilling your destiny. These are negative thoughts that constantly plague your mind, and because you haven't learned how to process them properly, they continue to become a weight in your life that keeps you from reaching your God-given destiny. Amen. So how you process your, process your thoughts is very important. I can't tell you that negative thoughts are not ever going to come, but you have to learn how to process those, just like heard someone say, you know, that negative thoughts are like birds who come and light in a tree. They don't have to stay in my tree. I can run them out of my tree. Amen. You need to process all of your thoughts through the Word of God. It's what, come, it's what is coming out of your mouth. Is it word-oriented? And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. You need to have a biblical worldview. Don't have your mama's worldview. <clears throat> Hello. <clears throat> Don't have your daddy's worldview. The reason I said that because they're the ones who raised us, and not all the time, but many times, moms and dads raised us with a negative view, and that's how we begin living is through a negative view. And we view things ne negatively. We have to have a biblical worldview. And so everything that happens, I weigh it with the Word of God. And that way, when you weigh it with the Word of God, you know how to address negative thoughts. When something happens in the world, I address it with a biblical world view rather than a carnal worldview or a worldview taught by my mom and dad. I look at it through a biblical worldview and say, does this thought line up with the Word of God? That's a good word there. The thought that I'm having, it is aligning with the Word of God. Is it God-oriented, God-ordained? And before I say it, 
Before I say the negative thought, I need to ask myself, why am I saying this? What biblical basis do I have to say it? Listen to this. You will never get new results with old behavior. Say that again. You'll never get new results with old behavior. The behavior of the church, the body of Christ, has to change in order for us to get the results of the book of Acts. That means the wineskin has to change. That means that I have to change. It means that you have to change. There has to be a fundamental shift of our think, our thought processes in order for us to move into a new wineskin because God is ready to pour this new wine out. But what I'm concerned about is that there aren't many new wineskins available. There are some. But many, there are many old wineskins that say, I like this old wine better. So I'm going to stay over here. I don't want to get into this apostolic thing or this apostolic hub thing, this apostolic center thing. I'm going to stay over here in this old-timey thing. Jesus addressed that when he addressed the traditions of religion. He addressed that, that traditional way of thinking. I'm not talking about being unbiblical. I'm talking about being biblical, real biblical. Moving into a new destination. Another weight is what I call drag. And I mentioned that in my opening comment. My opening monologue, I guess you'd call it. Of drag. I, I used to fly airplanes, and so I learned what drag was all about. There is four fundamental principles or law of flight. And that is lift, weight, thrust, and drag. All of those things, let me say it again, lift, weight, thrust, and drag. Each one of those things help you to fly. <clears throat> but there's what's called an induced drag. An induced drag is a drag that you apply. Now, don't think of this induced drag negatively. It's a drag that you apply. This type of drag, when applied properly in aviation, can cause lift. That word there's supposed to be lift instead of life, but... We're going to, we can call it life today because this kind of induced drag can cause life. Now, now don't get in that old wineskin and say, Brother Ken shouldn't be talking about drag. I'm going to tell you about some things that's going to help you go up. This type of drag, when applied properly in aviation, can cause lift. Create new healthy habits that will conquer old bad habits. Secret place prayer life, confessing the word of God, fasting, prophesy are all types of good habits that induces a drag that will cause lift in your life. And so when, you're, when you get ready to take off in an airplane, you you're, you're try to streamline your airplane as much as you can. And so you're moving down the runway and when you get to a certain speed, you begin pulling back on your yoke. And it's called a rotation speed. Different airplanes have different speeds. It's anywhere from 55 to maybe 100 or 110, depending on the type of airplane. And so you're, you're building up speed. That's your thrust. That's your power. Then all of a sudden, when you get to a certain place, you begin inducing lift by, or inducing drag when you pull back on the yoke. And it lifts the airplane off the ground. As a matter of fact, when you take off from on a runway, you take off into the wind, not with the wind at your rear. Because that wind, that induced drag of that wind, helps you lift off faster rather than a tailwind. Now, a tailwind's nice to have when you're up in straight level flight because you're going to get to your destination. But when you land or when you take off, it's always into the wind. Say, into the wind. Woo, I can preach there. Could preach on that for a while. You always take off into the wind. And that wind can help you get lift. You'll pull back on that yoke. That elevator on the tail goes down. And all of a sudden, you begin lifting off the ground. So you can, you can fly the airplane without a rudder. You can fly an airplane without the ailerons. But you lose the thing that causes lift, that induced drag that causes lift. If you're flying and you lose that elevator, you're coming down. 
There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And you're not coming down easy either because you've got no way to glide. And so there's an induced drag that we apply, such as prayer, secret place prayer, such as fasting, such as prophesying, these things, and decreeing the word of the Lord in our life, these are induced drags that causes lift in our life. But there's also in aviation what is called parasite drag. And parasite drag, and, and actually you can see it on cars too. How many of you, did you know this, that your car will get better gas mileage if it has a nice clean wax job on it? Because what you've done, you removed all the dirt off. You've got all the parasite drag off of your car. And now it actually would get better gas mileage. And I don't know how much better it is. But the same thing is with, with aviation. You'll see guys who are in aviation, they'll, get, they'll bring their airplane out of the hangar. And I mean, some of these people are so in love with their airplane, they can't even keep a wife. They're so in love with it. And uh, <laughs> I'm serious. And, uh, and man, they're polishing that thing. They're making that thing sleek, making it look good. And there are different type of aerodynamics as well. I used to fly what was called a, a Piper Arrow that had a Hershey bar wing on it. And it means it had a fat wing on it. And later on when they built the arrows, they came out with a streamlined wing. So your, your ability, you, you had different flying abilities in that Hershey bar wing arrow than you did in that streamlined arrow. Streamlined arrow had more lift. If you lost your engine, you could glide better than with the Hershey bar wing. So parasite drag is drag that can be removed. It hinders the law of lift. However, this type of drag can be overcome through the proper care. There, again, prayer, the word of God, fasting, prophesying. It will remove parasite drag out of your life. So what's dragging you down? Now, we always have somebody else we're going to blame it on. This is what's dragging me down. It's my wife that you gave me, Lord. That's what Adam said. When the Lord came to him. He said, he said and he, by the way, he came to Adam first. And uh, Adam said, he said, Adam, why did you do this? He said, Lord, it was that woman that you gave me. He put all the blame on the woman and on God. And, uh, and by the way, ladies, so that you'll know, and husbands, so that you'll know, the Bible says that Adam was right there with her when the whole thing went down. He wasn't off out somewhere. He was with her. He could at any point said, hey, we're not doing this. But he didn't. So we, we always blame it on somebody else. That's why a lot of people who are in jail have been framed. They say, I've been framed. They frame me, man. I used to have a jail ministry. Almost everybody in there would say, they framed me, man. <laughs> I used to love going to the jail ministry. It's a lot of fun. You had a captive audience. They couldn't go anywhere. <laughs> I preached, I, I preached by, on the other side of the bars to them. They'd bring them out in a day room, but it wasn't open. It was behind bars. And I'd stay on the other side of the bars and, and uh, preach to them. Some more parasite drag is this right here, unhealthy relationships. I heard some moans there. What we refer to as soul ties. This can keep you from living a productive life. And you need to ask yourself, is this unhealthy relationship that I'm running with helping me get to the next level in Christ? Is it helping me to get to my destination? You need to look at your relationships that you have? Are they helping you get there? Now, that doesn't mean you have a yes relationship. That means that you have a relationship that produces life. And one that really produces life many times. See, iron sharpens iron. And a lot of times, peer level sharpening, you don't sharpen anything. You don't sharpen anything on a peer level. That's why you have to, where God is taking you, or where you see God taking you, you have to get with somebody who's already there. You have to start hanging out with them. And so then you begin moving with them because they begin pulling you up in there. The moment that you align with them, they start pulling you up into that destiny that God has for you. And so you need to begin shucking off these things that have been slowing you down. It's important that you find out who's drilling the holes in your boat. 
Who keeps trying to sabotage your ministry or sabotage you? Who's drilling those holes in the boat? Who's making things difficult? You need to find out who refuses to row with you. Cheryl and I watched a movie yesterday with a bunch of Vikings and a Viking ship, and they had slaves down in the bottom rowing, rowing their ships. Pam, you couldn't watch this movie because there's a lot of fighting in there. And, uh, but every once in a while, one of those guys would, wouldn't row, and so the taskmaster would come and make him row. And we don't serve a taskmaster. We row voluntarily for the Lord. I am a bond servant to him. And, uh, but at the same time, we need to find out who refuses to row with us. Begin to mark them and say, hey, they're refusing to row with us. But let's keep on rowing because we're going to our destination. No, Brother Ken, I want to stay back here. I want to stay in this old wineskin called the local church. It's the way we've always done it. You know, that's the last words of a dying church. We've always done it this way. I'm not going to row into that destiny. I'm going to stay back here where I've always been. And I shared this with you, and I'll share it again some more later on. Everybody doesn't make the cut into the new wineskin. You want them to, but everybody doesn't get there. Because some people won't put forth the effort that it takes to get into the new wineskin. Cut those unhealthy relationships. Find out who refuses to row with you. Identify who's warring with you. Who's warring with you and who's warring with the enemy? Or adopting the enemy's ideology. It's like my son said to me when he came back from Afghanistan. I was preaching at a church on about warfare. And I made the statement. I said, I don't know why there's, there are some people who don't like to war. So three or four days later, he and I are driving down the road in my pickup, and, and uh, he says to me just out of the blue, he says, Dad, I can tell you why they don't like to war. And I said, why is that, son? He said, because they love the enemy too much. And I said, what do you mean, love the enemy? He said, when we were in Afghanistan, he was a staff sergeant at the time. He's a lieutenant now. When we were Af in Afghanistan, he uh, <clears throat> I, I went out with five men under me, and the British sent another staff sergeant and their five men, and we patrolled the streets of Kabul on foot. And we had an assignment every day. And he said, we were not allowed to love the Afghan people. And the reason was is because the Afghan people would blow themselves up on the troops. One guy he was in the unit with, Gave a piece of candy to a young boy. He's from Lake City. Gave a piece of candy to a young Afghan boy. And the Afghan boy blew himself up on it. And that soldier lost his life. And so he said, we were not allowed to love the enemy. We, had, we saw every man, woman, and child as a potential threat, he said. And if any of them were trying to stop us from our assignment, we had the authority to take them out. And then I begin seeing differently why the body of Christ, some of them don't want to go into war. It's because they love the ideology. Now, well, let me rephrase it this, this way. Many people make peace with Jezebel because they don't want to war against that spirit. Toleration. That's called loving the enemy. And that's what Jesus said to the Thyatira church. He said, I have this against you that you have tolerated this spirit. And so God doesn't want us to tolerate this. He wants us to begin bulldozing through this spirit and over this spirit in Jesus' name. Remember that everyone does not make the cut. Don't let someone else keep you from making the cut. Move on without them. Cut your losses and press forward. I have, I got to be careful how I say this because of who might watch. 
there are some leaders that I have advised them to walk away from their church because it was, it was unproductive. It was torturing them and the few people that they had left because everything was so unproductive. And so I said that to you to tell you that we need to walk away from old unproductive soul ties that hold us back. And you need to run with those who are full of life. You need to run with those who are carrying the goods. Don't run with just nice people. Nice people are nice people, but they all don't carry the goods. Let me say that again. Nice people are nice people, but they all do not carry that anointing that you need to get you where you're going. And you need to hang around people that carry the goods. Hang around people that carry heavy authority. Hang around people that walk in powerful gifts. Hang around people that release productive thoughts and release productive words. Hang around those kind of people. Run with people who are full of the life of the Lord. Woo! And then there's sin. The sin can also keep us from running the race. Oh, by the way, when it says there, to run the race with, uh, run with patience the race that is set before you. That word race is, the, is another word for war. Run with patience the war or the conflict that's set before you. It is a word for war. They use it several times in the scriptures. It's a very interesting word. So we're running a race and, and actually it, could all, it can also be used as a contest. And Paul wrote this in, in such a way in that time that people could get this and he used that word contest warfare because that's what they had been in most of their life. They had, they had seen the uh, Greco, the Roman uh, warriors go into the arena and go into battle. So he used that word that means contest or war or conflict. He uses that word there. He says, run this with patience. You don't have to get in a hurry. You just need to finish. Let me say that again. You don't have to get in a hurry. You just need to finish. Usually the people that are in such a hurry usually run out of steam somewhere along the route. And you got that old rabbit coming along, clippity-clop, or the turtle, rather, clippity-clopping along, and he finishes the race. So sin many times is a stumbling block. Well, it is all the time. This is the things it brings. It brings guilt, discouragement, oppression, depression, and breaks relationship with God and with man. The devastation that adultery leaves in a household is phenomenal. And I use that word phenomenal, I mean in a negative way. Because it, it doesn't just affect that man and that woman. It affects, it affects the kids, even the grandkids. It affects people around you, people that you knew. It affects all of those. But it also, most importantly, affects your relationship with God when adultery takes place in your life. And I hope nobody here is there. If you are, you need to stop. You need to repent, and you need to move forward. It's a good word. Don't keep that same... That's why they told the, the, the Jerusalem council, told them to... Don't, be, don't, don't fornicate. Move away from that destructive habit. Because it's keeping you from running the race with, and, and keep you, keeping you out of the race. Listen to this. Confess over and over the word of God. And the reason I say that is that when you do this, you get the word in your spirit. And I've been saying this a lot lately. When you confess the word of God over and over in, in, in your life, out loud... It begins to take root in your spirit. And the word of God will begin to manifest. It will begin to blossom. It will begin to grow in your life because you're releasing that word. You're confessing that word. As a matter of fact, if you get between a rock and a hard place, we'll find out what's on the inside of you. You get into a sticky situation. What is in you is going to come out of your mouth each time. If the word of God has been rooted in you and you're in a bad place, that word is going to come out. 
And you're going to begin decreeing that word and releasing that word. Because that word is going to sustain you to get you through that rocky place. To get you through that entrapment of the enemy. You need to... you, you, you <clears throat> And keep yourself humble. Even as you're going through that rocky place. I shared this before, but I want to share it again for those listening and those who haven't heard, here that haven't heard it before. Several years ago... Uh, I had taken a team out to New Mexico to the Navajo Reservation. This was back around 13 or 14 of the, of the 2000s. And we had been gone for a week, and we were very tired. and had just finished preaching in Gallup and was now driving the four hours back to Albuquerque to catch a flight. So we pull into the Holiday Inn, and I'm the first one out because I want to get into my room. I want to crash. And so I walk, up to the, I walk up to the desk there at the Holiday Inn, gave him my name, and there was a woman who walked right up beside me, threw her arm right under my arm, and she said, we want a room on the top floor so nobody can hear us. And I pulled my arm back. I said, no, we don't. I said, I am married. Don't want to do that. So I didn't know who she was. She then walks around behind the counter, and I'm thinking, she must be the manager. And she says, I want to know what room he's in. Because I'm going to go visit him tonight. Come to find out later on that she was the barmaid there at the Holiday Inn. And she did those kind of things to get better tips and no telling what else. And so <clears throat> when I got up to my room, the first thing that I did is I called my wife. Because she's the one I need to be most accountable to. And I called her and I said, Cheryl, this and this and this, this has happened. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray over me right now because I don't want to be tormented with any kind of lustful thoughts throughout the night. So there's nothing wrong with getting help. And so Cheryl prayed for me. And then when I got off the phone with her, I called up my apostle, Dutch Sheets. And I, and I said, Dutch, he says, I hear you've been going through a rough time. And I, that, I'd had a lot of physical attacks that week by the enemy. The, when we go out to the Navajo Nation, the medicine men know that we're coming. And so they start casting enchantation, incantations and spells and that sort of thing. But we overcome. And so, but we had a lot of warfare. I had a lot of physical attacks that week. So when I called Dutch on the phone, he says, I'm glad you called, man. I've been praying for you. I, I heard you was going through some attacks. And somebody in the team uh, texted him. Actually, it was Jennifer LeClaire. Texted him and said, hey, pray for Ken. He's going through real major attacks. And I said, yeah, and I said, it hadn't finished. And so I told him the story and had him pray. And what that does is it's making you accountable for your life to somebody other than yourself. That's why it says here, and let me, read, let me finish reading this here. Confess over and over the word of God. Get the word inside your spirit. Cry out to God in deep intercession. Acknowledge that you need help from the Lord to overcome. Swallow pride and ask someone for help through prayer. This brings accountability. James 5.16 says this, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Now see, we're not used to doing James 5.16. And I can understand why. You confess some things to some people, they're going to tell everybody else. I remember when the PTL thing went down, uh, Richard Dorch, who was uh, assistant to uh, Jim Baker, he had to serve some time in jail. But before he went to jail, he needed somebody to talk to. And he had no one to talk to, so he, talk to, so he was riding in North Pinellas County. You remember Richard Dorch? And he came by a Catholic church, and there was a priest out in the front working in the yard. He said, I know I can talk to him, and nobody else will know about it. And I thought, how sad it is that he had to go to a Catholic priest to just talk about his situation because he was afraid to let it out to anyone else. This is not something that we're used to. It's not, we're not used to confessing our, thought, our faults. We're used to confessing our victories but not our faults to one another. The thing is, is that the way you get healed is through confessing faults to one another and praying for one another that you may be healed. 
It's a good word there. Streamline number three, do not be conformed. He says there in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. And I love this. And the three days of consecration, that's what we're going to be doing. We're going to begin presenting ourselves before the Lord and saying, here we are, God. We're consecrating ourselves to you. Clean us up. The thing I want to get across to you is that for you to come to the Lord, you don't have to clean up first. You come to him just like you are and you let him do it. If you start making people do this and this and this before they can get saved, all of a sudden you're back into legalism. I cast devils out of a guy, homosexual actually. Cast homosexual demons out of him and religious demons out of him because he was told that he was not saved because of the fact he did not speak in tongues. And that was such a bondage in his life. Actually was... And I knew what it was when he started coming to the church. And I was a young whippersnapper then, probably 30 years old. And uh, green as in the gills as could be. And uh, he, come and sa- he came to church early one day on, on Sunday night. I, I was there praying about 5 o'clock. And he came and he sat down beside me. He says, I need help. I said, yeah. He said, I'm a homosexual. Everything country boy rose up in me I'm thinking to myself don't you touch me you touch me I'm gonna hit you as hard as I can I'm sitting there and I'm fuming I'm fuming on the inside and I said Lord what do you want me to do and uh and and I was I was some in some ways angry that the Lord had sent him to me and he said, I want you to pray for him and cast these demons out of him. And so I started talking to him, letting him open up. And it was, it was a challenge for me. And he started opening up and confessing his sins and confessing his faults. And he began confessing why he could not walk with the Lord because he did not speak in tongues. Then we went into a huge deliverance session. Had him confess his sins. And he got free, and he attended our church from that point on in freedom. Sometimes religion, not not sometimes, all the time, negative religion destroys the lives of people. We don't need to conform to that. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed. That word is sushimatizo. And it means to fashion like. To conform to a pattern. And when, we, when it uses the word world there, you're thinking of the world system. But it's actually, the word there is aeon. It means age. Don't fashion yourself to an age. See, God is trying to move the church now into a new wineskin so we've got to move out of the fashion of the old wineskin we don't need to be conformed to that old wineskin now we got to begin moving into the new wineskin and get out of the old age into this new period that we're in this is a good word here dutch has been talking about the new era and how that the new era finally has the, the we're moving into has the fullness of christ in it, it means that we now have all five of the anointings of Christ from Ephesians 4.11, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We have all five anointings now operating in the body of Christ. And that's going to help us move into the fullness of Christ. I love this. We don't need to be conformed to what we were in the past. We need to move into what God has called us to be. When you're getting out of the old wineskin and moving into the new, you need to be willing to buck religious tradition. This is the way we've always done it. That's changing. We're not going to do it that way anymore. We're moving into a new wineskin. Things that worked last year, things that worked five years ago, is not working now. And and I I mentioned a while ago that the seven last words of a dying church, did you know that the Methodist denomination is the fastest dying church in America? 
fastest dying <clears throat> because they've not moved into the new wineskin. They've stayed in the old. And so their churches are filled with gray-haired people, dyed-haired people, and no-haired people. And, uh, and so they're not able to reproduce. And so it's important that we move out of the old. Be transformed, metamorpho, where we get our word metamorphosis. I'm not metamorphing into a butterfly, I'm metamorphing into an eagle. It means to change one's place, condition, and form. We're transformed as a change that takes place in our life. And we should be willing to always be transformed. Not just transformed at salvation, not just transformed when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, but always allowing God to transform us through the renewing of our mind and a kenosis. To renew qualitatively makes a pers person different than he was in the past. Streamline number four, and I'll make this quick here, <coughs> is to be like Christ. The more that you're like him, the more that you're going to begin moving into this new era that we're in. Moving into the new wineskin. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? Now look at what Paul said here to the Corinth church. But we have the mind of Christ. This is, needs to become our confession. Not in a haughty way or prideful way. But part of our confession needs to be, I have the mind of Christ. I decree today that Christ's mind lives on the inside of me. There's nothing wrong with you saying it because when you say that, you're saying the Word of God. Now, for some of you, that may be difficult to say because you think it's being pride, prideful, but it's not being prideful. It's actually humbling yourself to the point that you would confess that over your life. It's pride when you refuse to confess that. Woo! It's pride when we confuse to confess, I am prosperous, instead of confessing, I am poor. Bible says, let the weak say I'm strong, let the, let the poor say I am rich. Amen. Now look what he says in 1 Corinthians 2. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered to the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. Now we, we many times we pause right there. And we say with a real religious voice, eye has not seen Ear has not heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. Read the next verse. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. I love this. When the Lord unrolled those scrolls through Cindy and through Jane and through Chuck and Robert Henderson, He's saying, I'm revealing to you where I want you to go. The only reason you can't see this, the only reason you refuse to move on this is because you're staying in an old wineskin. That's the only reason. You're like the old better than the new. The new that we're doing is biblical, by the way. We're just trying to be like Jesus and not just have, have two or three of the five-fold gifts available. We're trying to get to a place where we have them all available. The pastoral, the teacher... The prophet, I'm raising Pam to be up a prophet in this region and territory and for the state of Florida and having the pastor and, and the whole nine yards and the apostle. Because then you begin having all of the gifts functioning. God has revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of man except the Spirit of man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. But now remember, he just said he's revealed it to us. How? By his spirit. Even so, the thoughts of God, no one knows except the spirit of God. Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, aeon or age, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. Woo. There are people today that are leaving Pentecostal churches because there's no life there anymore. There's just death there. And there's no unction of the Spirit. 
there. We don't want to get like that. We want to be filled with life, not legalistic. But we want to be filled with, a, with life and life more abundantly. Stand to your feet.